Hello, and welcome to Polyhedron, your multifaceted podcast for everything RPG-related. I am your host, Matthew, and I think here in the adventure, it says I have two co-hosts, Ryan. I'm out in the void. Don't worry about me. And Scott. Remain indoors. They got in. They got in. <laughs> Everything is fine. Remain indoors. <laughs> Don't think about the event. Do not think about the event. Yeah. <laughs> Don't think about it. That's number wang. That's... <laughs> Ah, yes, the very timely 2008 <laughs> Michelin Web <laughs> in jokes. Man, so I think a lot of other people like that shit because I've, I've heard random people throughout all of my podcasts listening offhandedly mention it as like, mm-hmm. oh, it's great. It's fantastic. I mean, it's pervasive, thank God. Yeah. Otherwise, I sound like a total. It's Mitchell and Webb. It kind of it, it hit the right, it hit, it hit us at the right time. It did. And now it's back. Now it's back again. Um, all, but speaking of back, we're back. Thank you all for very, being very patient with us. We know we had a delay last week. That we was had mostly, a sad. I had, yeah, we had a bit of a sad. Uh, I, I thought I had gotten the disease. I didn't. It was pollen. I got pollen 2020. Uh, and, but I'm fine. And we're all fine here. Boring conversation. Anyways, Ryan, how's your gaming been? Oh, my God. So thick and heavy. Yeah. Like I've gotten yeah. so... I downloaded slay the spire because i just wanted something that doesn't take too long and is like fun and you can progress but it's not hugely difficult right and then i got xcom 2 which is you know a bit more of a pain in the ass but uh, and i've been playing mario odyssey off and on how are you liking that i love i I like it it's fun mario's fun i hope they do tell me when you tell me when you finish it please 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 yeah, Odyssey. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've beaten it. It's just oh. I'm in moon gathering. Uh, never mind. Stuff that happens oh. after you beat Bowser for the mm-hmm. last time and you gather the moons. Uh, I'll have to talk to you on Patreon content about that then. Okie dokie. And uh, what else? Uh, well, we did our, we have our numerous Dungeons and Dragons games that have all moved on to the internet. Indeed. So much Dungeons and Dragons. I'm running Star Wars for you, for you, Jack and Apes. Uh, oh, and it's gotten good. Well, it thank has. You. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy them and enjoy them wars. Up in them stars. Up in them stars. You know, there was a pre-made adventure. Anyway, I'll go I'll go actually I'll go into that in a little while. Yeah, <laughs> no problem. Um anything else? Um no, I think that's actually it. Okay. Scott, what about you? How's your gaming been? My gaming's been fantastic. Uh, you know, playing in, in Dungeons & Dragons, uh, running my vampire game, running my, D- my D&D game, which uh, I'm looking forward to next session uh, because your character is a sleepy boy. <laughs> oh, He's, oh, everyone. He, he had a little nap. Very soon, Ack Inc. will be, rela- be started its rotation of being released, and I can't wait till you get to the part that we're at right now. Yeah, no, that's some shit that happened that last episode, which that was actually a part that wasn't in the adventure proper. It was something I kind of poured it in because yeah. uh, I knew which direction you guys were going to go as far as a, an open-ended question. Yes. Is, we'll talk later about those sorts of things. Um, but yeah, that was super fun and it's going to keep getting fun because I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to lead off a little bit of, of where you left off and, and continue the momentum of that particular scene. Great. I, I, I personally look forward to it. And this past weekend, I actually had a huge goddamn chunk of gaming, uh, that was super fun. Uh, I play, I participated in Gehenna Gaming's 
virtual horror convention, uh, which was, you know, the guys at Gehenna Gaming, they're up in the Northeast. Uh, they do actual play stuff and, and organized play stuff. Uh, they've actually done some running, some running some games for White Wolf at cons. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're actually a pretty solid group of gamers, group of guys that got some good contacts, good networking. So they decided to pull in a bunch of people, myself included, uh, to run a bunch of games, have a bunch of panels, uh, do some some streamed actual plays. Uh, they had kind of a virtual vendor hall, which was just like a group of stores that you know ran little sales together during the con. Interesting. That's that's like I didn't know they did the the little little uh, sort of buyers market there. That's yeah. Cool. They had uh, they had uh, raffles going on pretty much the whole time. Uh, and every red cent that they collected uh, as a part of ticket sales, as a part of the raffles, uh, street donations went to the COVID-19 Solidarity Fund. Great. Uh, so I got to play in a – I got to first run a session of Vampire for a Dark Ages conversion that I have had kicking in my head. It's not super hard to convert that. You just have to do some stuff with the touchstones and change some skills around and mm-hmm. and muck with character creation just a little bit uh, to to make it work. I had a fantastic game with four people who I've never met before and probably will never meet <laughs> uh, just because they were the people who bought the tickets for my game. Right. Uh, and it was really cool. It was a really cool scenario, and I will likely run that scenario again. Uh, so I'm actually not going to talk a lot, a whole lot about it, but it was fun. Uh, and then that evening, I played in a game of Trinity Continuum Aeon. Holy shit! Ah, uh, yeah, you finally did it. I finally got to play, uh, and it was really fun because I got to be uh, the guy who knew everything. Like everyone else in the party, except for the storyteller, weren't very familiar with the game, and they were kind of running it as a um, as a, as a get to know the setting, get to know the system kind of thing. But mm-hmm. I knew everything. So I played the Claire Sentient, which, you know, that facilitated that. You get so to know actually, everything. I was actually kind of working in tandem with the storyteller to be kind of the info drip uh, on how that works. Uh, and I actually talked about it. I talked to him ahead about, about that sort of thing uh, before we started playing. And he was like, oh, yes, please, 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 please do that. I, I have to comment. I, I happened to peek in that stream for the Aeon game. Mm-hmm. And I saw a particular last name of one of the characters. Really? Mercer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She was a, she was a granddaughter. Hey. Of course no one knew that because she had the covert edge. Yes. Um, yes. But yeah, no, she was a Mercer. That was a pre-written that was a pre-written adventure. <laughs> uh that's on sale on the Storyteller's Vault written by the guy who ran it for us. Oh, that's awesome. That's uh, really cool. Josh Heath from High Level Games. Um, was the one who was involved in that, and he's a freelancer uh, at Onyx Path as well. Link in the show notes, indeed. But yeah, no. So that was really fun. I had a lot of blast. At, and then Sunday, I got to play in another session of the Midnight Night World with James. Uh, I broke James a couple times with my <laughs> my, my role playing choices, uh, which that was fun. Uh, I, I I like being able to throw them for a loop. Uh, when uh, you can then, be a warlock, always choose to be a warlock. Oh, basically, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's 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 how I roll. Make the pact, roll the dice. How to make the pact? Yeah, and then we play D anD D on Sunday as well, and that's Yay. been my gaming so far during the apocalypse. Yes, uh, during during this entire shenanigans, I've had to get used to and teach and help uh, people get into online gaming, which is cool. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I have done a lot of running. I've done a lot of running because basically my Descent into Avernus game has become weekly. Yeah, we yeah, do it, it weekly on Sunday nights, which is actually fine with me. We went to heck. We have officially gone to heck at this point. We're in heck oh, yeah. now. We're in heck. We're yeah. we're on we're on the well we're on the elevator to heck. <laughs> going down. Going down. Yeah. yeah. Um, they are in the they are in chapter two of Descent into Avernus. If you're familiar with the adventure, which means they are in Elturel and they have to deal with Elturelian things right now. And there's a lot of weird stuff going on. Yeah, but we've basically been running every week, which is good because that means we're going to probably get not, it won't be anytime soon, but it will, we can, if we keep the pace up, it will be really cool to actually like complete the adventure. And I'll probably talk a little bit more about that later. Um, other gaming, uh, played Doom Eternal. It's not an RPG, I know, but it's a video game I've been playing. Uh, I've got my thoughts and feelings. I'll probably talk about more of that on Patreon content. Um, other than that, I mean, Akink, Mad Mage, Star Wars, that's been the bulk of what I've been doing, but I've been doing it very regularly, which is really cool. So that's been my gaming. No LARPs. Yeah, no, none of those. No LARPs. No LARPs. I've uh, tried to start another playthrough of Disco Elysium uh, and being like a, a mean, bad fascist guy, and I can't. You just can't make yourself do it? It's too hard. Well, like when you're a bad guy in that game you're like it's not like you oh i'm a cartoonishly evil bad guy that's doing bad things no it's it's far more real than that yeah you're it's saying, very real like eugenics and uh, eugenics and misogyny uh like really really like, like built-in systemic oppression yeah like and you know you're you're part of the problem yes in a way yeah. that you really if you have anything like a soul or compassion it is they did a i will give them credit that they made they they did a very good job of through mostly text conveying just legitimate awfulness in a way that hurts you if you try and be bad uh, the role playing games are there for an experience. Yeah, and I'm I, I I don't know if I can go through Disco Elysium again for a different experience because I had a really, really like dark and depressing, but wonderful time playing mm. it for the first time because I did I was I was a, as best of a guy as I could try to be in that really weird weird ass world in that very dark depressing like soul heart harrowing thing, and I just. I am I'm impressed at how far they go when you decide to be bad. Mm-hmm. Like 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 it hurts. It is hurtful to read and, some of the things that are said. And it is always pointed out, and it is only pointed out later on in the game mm-hmm. when you're just like when Kim's just like, hey, the fuck is wrong with you at oh. some point or another? Because he gets to that point no matter what, because you're crazy no matter what. Oh yeah, you're real, you're real fucked up. But he's like, Well, people seem to dig it, and he's like, You're a man with a gun. You're a man with a gun who's talking crazy to them. Yeah, they're going to want to please you. It's like, oh, mm. I'm terrible. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I, I can't wait to see what else they do. Yeah. Like they need to make another game as quickly and as well as possible. because oh, Their engine is in place. So. Yep, yep, yep. yep. I, if, they I I, use the same, if they use the same thing. I watched like a YouTube interview with a guy and they say they want like one of the things that they didn't do intentionally, but they want to do in a, in a follow-up game is to use that system to do a sex scene. Fair. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, the art assets in that game are crazy extensive. It's like, so, so beautiful. beautiful. So it's I'm so like, beautiful. and all 32 of your friends are so weird looking. Yes. Very strange. And yes. all the ideas that roll around your head are, yep. who boy. All right. But anyways, we're going to go on to some news, some more RPG news. Uh, a few. I'm going to go over a few basic things. Uh, cool. The Chaosium is the Chaosium system is now known as the basic role-playing system is uh, basically um, SRD, which means anyone can uh, feel free to use their license for the base system. Um, they have it up on their website. I'll have a link in the show notes. So if you have an idea for tweaking the Chaosium system, feel free, look it up if you're interested. Uh, Ryan, what's up? Oh, Mordifius released the PDF versions of Dishonored. For those who oh. purchased it, mm-hmm. oh, um, it? I, di- I purchased my hardback copy, but and they've been actually very nicely. They apparently they did an update to it, so they released. You know, they've been doing like still, still updated they're releases. Tweaking, yeah. They're tweaking it apparently for art and other stuff. It looks awesome, and yep. uh, I looked at the system a little bit. I I, I get where I, I get what they're doing, and it's mm-hmm. it looks good. It looks Ex- like it'd be a lot of fun. Expect us to probably dive into that when it's fully released and like we're ready to go oh yeah i already know like if you guys ended up doing it if we end up running it i know exactly i mean it would have to be me of course yeah i'm the one who who cares the most so which man wolf me running two actual games jesus fucking christ what what happened to me no zero pressure zero pressure yeah i mean if you want to do it well we're here i know the story i would i know the story to tell it's yep yeah, I'm I'm curious as to like obviously what I'm most curious for is the lore that, that's yeah. included in, in that. I wanna I wanna know what's under the skin of that world. Cause it ain't good. No, it's not. <laughs> it's real bad. It's but, a very bad place. But it's but it's not good in, in a pretty way. Yes. Um a couple other things for the news. Uh a new a very interesting uh Unearth Arcana came out for D D. We got some new spells, which is always a treat, but we also got magic tattoos, which uh, are pretty interesting. Love them. Love them. They're really cool. I hope I hope we actually see that in actual book. They are out. all one attunement slot, so you can just but you know just keep slapping them on and once you get them. Ooh, I'll have to look at that because that, that's that's very that's very Elon. Yes, Elon could get it Elon get, would, in would get into that sort of thing. Yeah. And they have um, like different coverage depending on rarity of how much of you they cover, and that's the limitation. I see. Yeah. Like if, if you get a very big tattoo, obviously you can't add more tattoo to that area, so it creates a limitation on your actual physicality. Cool. Um, uh, Chaosium, obviously, uh, because of COVID-19, uh, distributors, small and medium distributors are starting to feel the pinch, and publishers are. So if there has been a book that you have been wanting to buy and you have a little extra cash if you do go ahead and buy it because they need your support too um because everyone's going to be feeling it for a while so and if you want more good content you need to buy good content that good content yeah that good content also what the fuck else are you doing right now <laughs> uh wrath and glory we got a really big peek at the cubicle 7 version of their new layout as well as potential changes to the system I'll probably go into that more when they have officially released it, but it's some interesting changes. The art is amazing. The art is much better than the uh, the uh, Ulysses Spiel version. Um, they're definitely taking their time and they're really making it look shine on that end. So 
we're, what we're going to talk about today uh, for the main topic, because we haven't actually done like a show show in a while with no interview. Uh, As we are all in boxes, we're <laughs> going to talk about campaigns in boxes. Yes, we yeah. are. Yes, indeed. We're going to talk about pre-running pre-made adventures, adventures that essentially you did not design directly and how to uh, read them, interpret them, run them, and then sort of keep them flowing in an organic way. And we've all done this recently. That's what gave me the idea. So I thought this would be an excellent topic for all three of us to talk about. I'm doing it right now. Yes. Well, then why don't we start with you, Ryan? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, Star Wars has a ton of it. Like, not only did they, in the course of the run of Fantasy Flight Star Wars, did they release like a million actual official adventures, the fan community has released in a, just an absolutely insane number of like their own adventures. Um, going as far as to take the layout of like the adventure books, mm-hmm. including like the the you know the minion blocks with all the dice symbols and all that stuff, and building completely official looking like adventure books. Yep. Nice, and it it it's awesome. It's it's very cool. Um, but yeah, I, I've been running everything I've run for them so far has been for the most part with just a little bit like somewhat based on pre built adventures like. The the first few episodes where they're on um, they're on Jakku is one hundred percent just the beginners game, with very little in the way of change. But mm-hmm. the next portion um, is called oh, I forget what I think it's like knowledge lost knowledge or something. But a lot of the stuff that's been going on, basically all the forcey stuff that's happening to them, mm-hmm. like stuff that's actually imposing itself on them or stuff like that, that's all me. Like mm-hmm. that's all just me, like because most of these are pretty agnostic in how much the force fucks with you. But right. I like to think of it as a horrifying burden that you carry with you all the time. So <laughs> I treat it as such. Yes. Uh, what about you, Scott? You're running the Ack Inc. adventure. Correct? Yes, I am. I mean, we've talked about that several times uh, in these episodes, but it, uh, I, it's a really well written adventure. Like it's, it's very compelling. I mean, it's got that penny arcade humor and flair to it. Uh, but there's enough wiggle room to really adapt it to the party that you're running. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I've been enjoying that. It's really cool. Um, I think definitely as part of running pre-run adventures, it, especially in the now times, uh, if you can get one that has like a roll 20 or a fantasy grounds adaptation, um, that is incredibly helpful uh, for running games when you're online and in circumstances like these yes absolutely um and so that's been a that's been a lifesaver and it continues to be really cool yeah um for me i've been obviously i've talked about this i've been running descent into avernus um and just like scott said uh even before this this situation i have i bought it additionally in to roll 20 because i didn't want to do any of the setup because that's the advantage of doing unlike Roll Twenty or Fantasy Grounds is if you buy their pre-made adventure, all the all the 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 maps out of the book are there. They're all formatted. You get all the tokens. You have all the stats. You have pretty much everything you need to run that game without doing almost no prep work, other uh, other than what you want to alter or change in the game itself, which we'll get to. 
So when we're talking about pre-done adventures, we obviously have a book or something we've purchased. This is something somebody else has written. And I think the first thing that obviously you need to do is read it, read it and understand it and develop, go through it. But what's interesting that I have found through my experiences in running to Senator Burnus is how much leeway does the adventure give you to adapt it to your party and what they do versus how linear or static is it? Um, some adventures are going to be more open in, to interpretation. I, I think Star Wars may be a little bit a good example on of rails. that. Yeah, it's on rails for you? Oh, yeah. The, the, the adventures they run are pretty, very much on rails. Like, okay. It's fine, though. Like As long as everyone's cool with that and isn't planning on going in like, no, I want to go on a hyperspace I, jump. I don't want to do me. Yeah, I don't want to go. I don't want to go on the adventure. And that's actually the, I think another good place to start is like the beginning of the adventure. Kind of everyone needs to buy in that you're going to go on this adventure. Mm-hmm. Yes. And everyone. Hey, yes. you see this book in my hand. This Please. is what I'm running. <laughs> Please guys get on board. Cause well, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's part of that where you kind of have to be like, look, like this is what we're doing you know come with me on this journey and we get to experience all the cool stuff while tweaking it to our own uh, our own uh, experience right so, uh, you know I, I i almost guarantee you that i mean matt has listened to dungeon of the mad mage like other playthroughs right yes like, you listen to other people do it pretty sure we do it different like i'm pretty sure the way we're doing it is a little different yeah just a little bit i've listened to and unfortunately they stopped that playthrough because they went on to descend into invernus because oh my god they were going to be there forever they they encountered very different things than we did through that adventure and Mm. modifying things and meeting certain npcs at certain times that we didn't meet till like later um and as an example from descent into Vernus, like at the beginning, they say, yeah, this Captain Zodge guy, he immediately hires the PCs to go do this. And it literally says this, and this is actually a criticism, says, if they don't do it, tell them you're going to, if they don't take your, take my money and do this thing for me, I'm going to send dudes to beat them up. And I'm like, that is some heavy handed bullshit right there. <laughs> I would say that a pre-run adventure book, like an adventure book is still, no matter what level it is, from what challenge level or whatever, it is still geared to what the publishers would likely consider a freshman GM or someone who is new, right? Mm -hmm. Right? Someone, listen, you obviously already decided that you weren't on board for being like, not to say that running one of these doesn't require creativity. It still does. You have to put bells and whistles on it. You have to adjust for the personalities of the people you're playing with. And there's all kinds of mechanics that you might not like. You might want to fudge with it or something or add some other elements to it. But you still opted out of a touch of creativity with, with picking up this book. Yeah. So those sorts of things, I just see them as, listen, if you really don't want to think about how to get them to do this, this is like, this is the crowbar way to do it. <laughs> Yeah, get them I mean, in there. Yeah, that you, you've got to go. Okay, guys, because we've already said you kind of got to get the extent of the players. I'm running X adventure. Is everyone cool with that? And they're like, <laughs> yes, because I remember in Avernus when I presented you guys with it, I did a little pre prepping because I ran some like non canon adventures from D and D Beyond to sort of get you guys in the mood and see if you guys were interested in me running Descent into Avernus mm-hmm. and. By the time I got there, I had to... We were fools. Yeah, you're now in hell, fools. literally. Um, I got... Because I did that introduction, I get I knew the pacing of, like, the character types. 
And also they all knew by that point, oh, Matthew's running this book. Mm-hmm. We have to say yes to this guy to start the adventure. There's a couple of points where you have to say yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the fu- and the pu- and look at it this way. For example, here's a great one. Matt's character, Elo, in my game is about yeah. to have to start coming to terms with some shit about what he is about to start doing. Because mm-hmm. I got some news for you, boy. Use a shadow runner now. And <laughs> like because your this friend's hand got shot off and you need money. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> <he got shot. laughs> so fun fact, I've never put like I, I did I did in fact characterize like a bunch of NPCs like for mm-hmm. around the resort where where the where the PCs went and they didn't interact with all of them but a few of them would they would have heard about by way of other people talking shit about them because they suck right <laughs> and the guy who happened to shoot Scott's hand off spoiler still don't care pretty funny yeah. uh is the only person in my GM notes who by his name in quotes says total rapist what (laughs) wow (laughs) that's what yeah i'm sorry it took a long time to get there but that that guy just so you know his 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 way that people think about him is of a he's a total rapist (laughs) i'm glad i killed him (laughs) he did you did but it did cost you a hand (laughs) fair enough fair fair enough a worthwhile the, sacrifice. The force do it. Yeah, worthwhile <laughs> sacrifice. Now yeah. I get a cool robot hand. Yeah, a cool but, robot hand for a blue dude. But it's that it's that kind of stuff, right? It's just how does your character well, I mean, jumping all the way back, that was just a silly aside, but like making a character be kind of cool with what's happening and understand like mm-hmm. viewing it through their perspective about what's important to them. Like in Matt's game, Marsh is now like learning what it means to be a druid. Yeah. And agreed. because and also yeah he hates fucking demons and devils and it's like well they're horrible and they shouldn't be doing what they're doing so <laughs> even though there are meta metaphysical constant in the universe well yeah but fuck those guys like i'm gonna go take their stuff away they don't get to do whatever they want yeah, they can have their little blood war but don't like hurt some regular people <laughs> yeah and so that's also part of it is you have this canned adventure you have an adventure you're going to sort of go through the steps and your pcs are obviously going to be pcs and they're going to do their own thing and that's part of it i think the skills that i'm starting to learn and try to accept is as you go along your players are still going to have their own story like that's something you actually need to keep in mind is the player the the, the venture that's written doesn't have doesn't know your players doesn't know their characters and doesn't assume anything about them now they may assume certain actions but does not assume morality ethics and personal growth so you kind of need to as a gm that's where your creativity comes in and going oh this i need to come up with some stuff either whole cloth new stuff or i need to add like modify some things that there's going to be happening to help guide their journey like marsh's thing Marsh is like, I don't, I'm a city guy who happens to have weird powers. I don't really know why I'm a druid. I never was really taught to be a druid. And I was like, okay, let me get some NPCs in here. Let me start talking to you. So Ryan can start like injecting that into the character without a lot of like hand holding from me, but at least it like hinted at what was going on with this character. Yeah. I, you know, I kind of, I mean, it was kind of a weird, it's like, it. I did the thing where it's like, what did I want? I wanted to play a druid. Okay, did I, I wanted to play something with a weird 
with some decent stats, but not like the common shit with some decent stats that yeah. are behind Druid. So it's like Water Genasi. Okay, Water Genasi Druid. Well, okay. <laughs> Where do we go from here? And that flavors the the Baldur's Gate story a, a good deal because there's been times where him being a Genasi helped him when it wouldn't have helped him otherwise. I as was well only as- able to kill that one lizard lady because I could get to her yeah because he had to go through water and he was immune to essentially the encumbrance of water of his nature um and that's part of it and also i haven't seen anyone run into sin inversion with a druid before this will be interesting because druids are things of the natural plane and of the natural realm of the prime material predominantly but he's in hell like 90 percent of this adventure is in hell how is that going to affect the character? How is that going to change him? And how is he going to adapt in order to overcome some of the situations? Pin. Heck, Druid. Angrier. <laughs> <laughs> just, just a little spice of what's to come. Uh, bear down angrier. for what? Bear down for anchor. I'm going to bear down on all of them. Yeah. And so that's, that's something to consider is your players and their characters still have a story in it. Like a lot of, I think Ryan, you can help me discuss this is in Mad Mage because that's a game we're both playing and that our friend Andrew is running for us. And that's a very neutral sort of game. Like, yeah, you're doing a mega dungeon. That's all you're doing. You're doing mega dungeon in this thing. We have to come up with the story. Like, yes, the players. It's the it's how we choose to deal with each encounter that really like. And they're also, and the interesting thing is, there's very little like interconnectivity between the levels. Yeah. So stuff that, or even within the levels, sometimes stuff that you do within, like, if you're in the northwest corner and some shit goes down, very likely the people in the southwest corner will have no fucking clue what happened. Yeah. So, for example, like I think we ended up murdering a bunch of Xanathar, like without yeah. being, ha- having to be asked to. Yeah. And then we later found out that one of the things we needed to do was, was kill the kill those guys we were like oh like, yeah we already rolled through them it's cool oh those guys hold on let me be right back <laughs> we <can't wait> <laughs> um there there's uh there's some adventures that actually go go a different way and provide pre-generated characters yes uh along yes, with yes, them yes. like two two that come to mind that are very recent uh is uh first is the rick and morty adventure Oh Jesus! Uh, which is just a little small dungeon. It's not a big like, like like one to third level, level, right? It's like really short. Yeah, it's one to three, and it's really short, and it, it's it's designed to be knocked out in an afternoon. Mm-hmm. Like that is what it's for. It's just there to have like a fun time. I still want to run it, especially want to run it now that we've got all this time for gaming, um, and I want to stream it. Uh, that'll be a fun time. So it's on Jerry. If you want to be Jerry, you can be Jerry, man. Uh, but that's so weird because what you're what you're playing in that game is you are not you are playing a member of the Smith family playing that character. playing their D and D character, which is like so. Yeah, it's it's intensely meta. It it's is intensely a- meta, and and the person playing the dungeon master is supposed to be Rick. So you need to be not your yeah. the GM is not just being the GM. He is being Rick. Mm-hmm. Which, As like the the, which means when I run this game, I'm gonna need a pitcher of mojitos. <laughs> Just enough. a giant jug. We'll, we'll get you a yard hito. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, we see this. We see the straw slowly snaking up from under the mm-hmm. under the desk, and, and it's a, just, one of the big fat straws too. Yeah, big like, fat straws. It's a crazy uh, straw. And too. the other yeah. one that's a bit more involved is the Fall of London for Vampire. Yeah. 
that one has pre-generated characters that like, and they basically say you can run these characters or you cannot but there's a lot of content baked into the game and into the setting for those specific characters and it is i've i have never seen this what what they've done in this thing because you're you're playing characters that are kind of like half amnesiac right you like don't they, know everything about yourself. You don't know everything about yourself. And there's like another, like there's a personality of an elder that's kind of latched itself onto you as well. So you have, you. it's unclear who, what your motivation is or whose motivation you're operating under. Because you're kind of like, you're, you're this old person who went into, tor- this, this, this fairly young person who went into torpor during the Blitz in London, back in the, back in World War II. You're also a, like a parasitic psychic impression of an elder on that person. And you're also the person who woke up and didn't have much memory of who you actually are. So you're like kind of like three different people and you're piecing yourself together and choosing which aspects of all of these personalities. Well, you're, you're for more specifically, you're basically two imprints slowly merging and 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 finding their niche between it and becoming this third person kind at of at the end at the end kind of well i mean and well like i said you're also like that you're also the the third person of the amnesiac right that's what i'm saying uh, that's the third personality that's what yeah, i'm saying exactly it's and becoming so, those but that's well, it's, it's deciding which elements to pick and choose to incorporate and like but you can also be like i don't want to be this anymore i don't want to mm-hmm. be either of these people anymore I, I won't do my own thing. I want to do not... this new thing. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting. There's a lot of really cool bits and pieces uh, scattered throughout that. Cause there's, cause you know, you're running into people who, you know, who knew you before because you're mm-hmm. vampires and people can be old. And you're also running into people who know the elder that you're imprinted on. And you could run into the elder that you're imprinted on. <laughs> There, there are most most of them are around too. Uh, so Yikes. it it is like that's kind of a mind fuck of a game, and I really want to I want to get a good table together for that because I do want to I, I want to fuck around with that. No. that sounds real fucking interesting. And and I think another part of running pre prefabbed adventures like this is obviously you need to understand the game you're running for mm-hmm. and the themes of the adventure, like Fall of London is very psychologically heavy obviously it's, yeah it, it's it's kind of like it's kind of a mindfuck adventure great and and whereas a dnd adventure is probably going to be more classic adventure but mm-hmm. even that's going to be different mad mage is not you're not saving a princess you're not there's not some big quest that you're on whereas descendant avernus you are on a big quest i mean shit literally reses in when you walk in you are the like it is the video gamiest of like the D things I can imagine. Cause it's like, yeah, this shit happens when you get to level seven, mm-hmm. when you get to level seven, yep. right? there's no clock ticking unless I'm sure there are some things in there where Andrew will have to start a clock ticking on us mm-hmm. or something. But if that has happened, he has not made it. He has not shown us. He has not made yep. any note of it. It just kind of seems like, well, hack away at it when you want kids. And, and I think it is. And I honestly think that's how it's run because it's a mega dungeon. Mega dungeons. Uh, here's another thing. 
some game, some adventures have a clock. They they have a they have a goal. They have a quest. They have a thing that, that probably even written in there. There's like they need to do X within a certain amount of time, and if they don't, X, Y, or Z starts happening. That would be your tombs of annihilation, right? In, right. in D and D terms, when yeah. it's like you're literally wasting away. Like yeah. your soul is burning. You're running on a clock. We're mad mage. That is as far as I have ever experienced and read. No, like you handle every level as you see fit. You set the pace of of your adventuring, and the way well, there's oh sorry. go ahead sorry Scott there's then there's Dragon Heist, which is kind of this like mix and match like forking timeline, uh, you know, That's future own adventure style. It's got clocks. It's got like weaving event flow charts and stuff. It looks fascinating, and I would probably want to. I would. I might be down to run it one day with like. But I might do it for some for, for some like fanboys and do it in autumn, so it's Jarlaxle. Oh yeah, so be like, oh shit, yeah, Jarlaxle. I'd like to see the try to do the Manchun one. There's a Manchun one where oh you're like you're going God. up against one of the clones of Manchun. Um, but yeah, like you definitely need to read the adventure, understand what the adventure is trying to do. Um, I think another thing we need to talk about is being flexible with the adventure. Like, oh, yeah. you have to understand is assuming you're not being paid to run it by the company that wrote it, you probably, it's going to be, it's, it's your game. You really need to make it your own game. Uh, I wholeheartedly encourage this, but that means you kind of have to go off book occasionally, especially the higher level they get. My secret is that there were no, there has been one, precisely one, as far as I know, Star Wars adventure written to take place dur- during the new trilogy. You yeah. want you went through it already. There's <laughs> no, there's one other that's a follow up to that. Huh. But we ain't doing that one because it's. It, don't worry about it. <laughs> that, literally everything you guys have done or will do is supposed to be set in the Empire or during like during Rebe- Age of Rebellion and stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Like in during the basically what some might assume would be the first trilogy times. Yeah, yeah, the original right. trilogy, the original trilogy, trilogy times. Okay. But it's like nope. Yeah, we just nope. porting it over. Just porting it over. And, you know, it's like, thankfully, stormtroopers are stormtroopers no, man, no matter when they are. So. Yeah. Um, and that's that's definitely something you need to do is like, oh, Ryan did a very easy thing of, I want to use these adventures. They'll help me. But I don't. I can just move them forward in time, and they pretty much work. It's um, mostly just like, okay, so what I like about that system or at least when they do adventures is they are encounter based like it's these two pages are dedicated to this thing that's happening Mm -hmm. here's everything you need to know about this thing that's happening and that is very helpful for how i think because Mm -hmm. i need to modularize everything so it's a module of modules right you need you need to break it down to very specific things right and i need to be able to break it down so that i can read through it synthesize it and give myself like a half page write up or you know honestly dude um, I won't spoil too much for people who want to listen to it, but that thing that happened to you all, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. that weird thing that happened to you all, that took me so that took me as much time writing each of those things down mm-hmm. as preparing for that entire everything else that had to do with that part of the adventure. <laughs> like, cool, yeah, because it was like okay, because well, it was wholly original here. content, right? And it took a lot of like. I was trying to be nuanced with it because, you know, I think you did a good job for us, man. What you well, do? and so one thing that I, I appreciate uh, particularly about sort of the online tools 
that are available, like Roll20 and whatnot, is uh, something that happened recently in uh, Ack Inc. was there was a section of, a, of the pre-written adventure that we're all going through that just like, here's a problem. How do you solve it? Here are some options, but they don't give you the, the nitty gritty of any of those options. They're just like, this is, this is a place for your, your characters to play around and do stuff. So what I was able to do is I was able to go on the Roll20 marketplace and look for a dungeon, like a, a tiny dungeon. Yeah, something small, something you could do in a something night. Something small that I could throw in there. And I literally threw it into the the, the roll twenty module and put it in a specific place where where and where the players would go, and it was just it was just a little tiny dungeon that they ran through to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, Some of the Star and, Wars books do stuff like that too, where they'll have like this is a three step in this is a three step thing that happens. Mm-hmm. Like here is a thing that happens. Chain these together how you want. Here are like the roles that can be associated with it. Mm-hmm. However, they want to solve it. And here's just a little scenario. And I, I love that kind of stuff. And, and that sort of thing is actually really useful even in a home group brew campaign. In you know, in, in the opposite of what we're talking about. Yes. Like if if you ever like have a thing where you're like, guys, I don't have much notes. Let's do this thing. Like I can you can you can cut and paste these little tiny mini adventures that you can buy. Uh, and and incorporate it into what you're doing, and just you know have 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 a kind of a, a different flavor for the night. So doing research for Descendant Invernus uh, because I wanted to see how other people have been running the adventure, I found out some interesting things. There have been also people on like the DM Skill, which is all of the uh, fan facing, make money for producing content, and mm-hmm. they have a, a whole bunch of like. Here's some more adventures in Avernus. If you want to throw more adventures into the into Avernus proper while your PCs are running through there, cool. Um, and so there's a lot of content out there for not just a roll twenty, but in like your normal tabletop game where you just throw in dice and you're sitting around the table when it's not COVID nineteen. Um, but also, but for me, what's interesting about like that more customization is now that you guys are in Avernus. In Elturel, especially when you get to Avernus, it becomes much more open-ended. Like, mm-hmm. it does tell me you should go here, here, and do these things, but you guys have a much more freedom to go where you want and do what you want. And even the last chapter, very, very minor spoilers because I'm not going to give details of chapter five, the last chapter is like, here you go, here's how you can end the adventure in like nine different ways. Neat. It's all up to the PCs. These are many, many, many different players on the board to solve their problems. Let them go ham on it. Because it, it's, it's extremely, Descent of New Verse is extremely linear for the first, like, two chapters. Mm-hmm. Then it slowly opens up, opens up, narrows in chapter four, and then completely opens up in five. Mm. Um, so it creates a situation of... I will hopefully by the time you it's opened up, you guys, I'll be familiar enough with your characters and the story to go, okay, now we can just start making stuff up and incorporate it into the, into the larger scope of things because what I levels? do want the game. What? Go ahead. Sorry. What levels are Avern is supposed to cover? Uh, one to 13. Okay. Uh, before the last event, like the big chapter, pretty much chapter five, you will be 13th level for that last part cool uh, oh man you guys 12, are gonna 10th level play 
holy fuck nuggets yeah, that's yeah, never yeah. happened to me yeah before. you guys are going to be towards the end you guys are going to be serious no joke you'll be serious. Oh, yeah well i can even see interestingly in mad mage i can see just off topic a little bit it's like we're no joke like mm-hmm. we that's we're just about a mistake that's yeah. lod made a mistake yeah and that's how, actually that that's a good thing think about also when it when you look at the adventure um especially we're using DD a lot as an example because that's what we most of us have been running but any of the games probably any adventure you look at look at what it spans and where it's going to start giving xp and or levels to your characters and understanding the pacing of it so does um do any of the tr- like story path games have adventures like set yeah. up for them um i know trinity had the they have one for trinity continuum called mm-hmm. media res which is like a, it, it's it's that's that's more fleshing out the the core continuum um uh story the, moder- the modern era the modern era yeah, yeah. but it, it has some there I, I haven't had a chance to really take a look at it um yeah. i don't I, I i'm pretty sure scion has at least a couple i think Scion is, has one or two like, the the precon adventure, in my opinion, is only as good as the stat blocks it provides you. In mm-hmm. in, in some in some cases, because mm-hmm. honest to God, a lot of what I look for in a in an adventure is like, do you just can you just give me the stats of the things, please? Like, mm-hmm. just that's the one thing I don't I don't feel like sitting here and like carving out NPCs like for them to just be murdered. Like, I'll carve out an NPC if it's someone who's going to be around a while. That'll be fun and stuff. But like. If you just put the things in front of me, please, and tell me how many of them there are and give me their stats, that's really and and important. that's another thing. Unlike a prefabbed uh, in a, in a homebrew venture, you kind of have to come up with the scenarios, the fights, and especially if it's like D and D where it's much more tactical based, you need to think of all those sort of the layout. But if it's prefab, yeah, they've done a lot of the work for you, but then you've got to implement it, which is a whole other skill set because now you're taking you have to interpret what somebody's made for you and put it on make it live for everyone else um especially even a combat situation so that may be a small hurdle that you will have to get over because i will tell you right now everyone i am spoiled for roll 20 running adventures off dnd it's good straight up i was like oh they were in the fight the venture didn't give me a mat. I'm like for five minutes. I'm like shit, 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 shit. I have to like throw something together in five seconds because I didn't realize they didn't provide me a map for this small, small encounter. But it was a combat encounter. Yeah, it's of the mind, Matthew. Yeah, but it, the problem is with that is like D and D is extremely tactical, and yeah. I need to see that. Whereas Star Wars, thankfully, is much more flexible for theater of the mind. It's actually yeah, it's almost really designed like, with that and uh, like you, around. You can literally just do like a bullseye, yeah, like a fucking dartboard, and be like, "All right, who's where? <laughs> yeah, who's close? Like, who's far to each other? Yeah, yeah." yeah story Story Path is like that too because they have range bands and that. Yeah. Uh, but sort of on the 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 opposite end of that uh, is uh, games like Vampire, where it, their pre-generated modules are much more like here's the situation mm-hmm. like here's the thing that you're going on here are the dudes the dudes are this powerful and you got to deal with it however you deal with it um because vampire is not a level-based system oh, it's absolutely. not you know the the and the the permutations of how different characters can be arranged is very very wishy-washy it's not as anywhere it's not as tight 
in a mechanical sense as D&D. So it's much less about like pure tactics and, and encountering it with sort of like this mechanical balance in mind. It's, it's much more about the story and being open for lateral thinking um, in terms of sort of stepping beyond the system. Oh, well, it's, well, one, one like D&D is like encounter-based that's what they're probably going to center around because combat is a large part of the game, whereas mm -hmm. vampire would be scenario based. Like mm -hmm. here is the scenario. How would you like to handle this? And they'll probably have some helpful scenario suggestions of mm -hmm. if the players decide to make a deal, probably this will happen. Mm -hmm. If they decide to fight, this will happen. The if they decide to do this, there's usually some people around who are bigger than you. Like, oh, yeah. and not, and not just bigger, like bigger in their stats, bigger in their status like mm -hmm. like they have resources guy. like they you know you very well might be able to take the prince in a fight but should you should should you try half of the police force like i was be very, there lucky. very soon i was lucky and when we did chicago by mm -hmm. like our chicago adventure it's like i did in fact put the malkavian primogen in a headlock you did however he was breaking the rules. Thank God. <laughs> I was just doing the, I was doing quote unquote good. You were doing the right <laughs> thing at the time. At the time. So it's like, yeah. well, that's the, that's the thing about this. Like that whole thing with the Valkavian Primogen, there was so much more to that. Oh, I bet. Like, I bet there, was there was like a lot written about that. But just the way you guys went, you you kind of ducked and weaved around it. And I'm sure if they we had had like a Malk in the party at the time. Yeah, there might have been more to that, yeah. Or pinging or the Madness Network making noises mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But we just happened to be a bunch of dumb fucks. Who <laughs> just like, yeah, we just going to do what the Prince says. Oh, let's go do it. Let's go get it. Yeah. Uh, ooh, ooh. Oh, you're being naughty. Uh, sometimes oh, nope, saying nope. yes and just doing the thing is okay. Like that—that's—that's mm -hmm. that's a way you can play the adventure. Oh, I'm a total bootlicker when I'm role playing. <laughs> <laughs> because honestly, here's the thing: like, for example, in Waterdeep Dragon Heist, it's like, oh, appealing to the actual authorities of this place is a good idea because I know Ryan knows categorically that Laryl Silverhand is a good aligned person and a chosen of Mistra. Right. Like I know those things about her. So it's like, yeah, there's no real like questioning whether yeah, she there, has there, good there may be some evil fucks kind of around her or in her power structure, but her and the, the bulk of like what she's all about is going to be good. And yeah, when you try you to do to the right certain, thing, once you get to a certain tier of their power structure, which we had, found ourselves dealing with it's like no i can pretty much trust that these guys don't have it in for me personally and aren't going to completely fuck me right so i was really okay with like okay well let's just work with the leader of the city to like and the black staff to actually fix this problem because first of all great person to have a favor from yes uh second of all i know they're good people so i don't have to worry about it you don't have to you know they're not going to be totally shitty to you unless you do something awful one of the other things, because last night in Avernus, I had this moment and I wanted to shout out to my people, people running adventures, is there may be some anxiety that you have when running adventure when someone decides to go extremely off book. Name for example, last night, because Scott plays Elan at Aarakocra, who has flight, the Descendant of the Adverse in Elturel does not take into account, except for like one situation, flight. And which so he's like, weird. yeah, yeah, which is super weird. He was like, 
yeah, I'm going to go fly over this place, which is like four pages in front of where I was in the story. And I'm like, oh no, not only is he, he's the only one who can do this. So he's going by himself. That's another thing. And B, he's going stuff that I hadn't prepared for. Like I had literally not prepared and read super deep into what was going to happen. To, to to my uh, to my benefit, I wasn't there to like go do anything. I was there to go recon. Here's here's where the anxiety of being the GM, especially on a set adventure, because if I'd been designing this adventure myself, I would have it would have been wouldn't be as anxiety inducing. But for mm-hmm. me, I was like, oh no, he's going to go there, and there's going to be content, and I'm going to have to figure out how that's going to react especially with with your original thesis for going it's like i want to see if this place is viable to go to Mm -hmm. the adventure says you go to this place right if you've been if i had told you it's covered with demons there's there's there there there's no survivors that you can see etc and so forth i had a very good like a thought in the back of my head of what happens if they decide nope it's a lost cause don't go there well, that's why I investigated further. I was like, <laughs> which I appreciate. No, I appreciate that, and you, you did to, that. You had to improvise a little bit. Well, no, I, 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 that that was never that was never a. Oh, let's fuck with the adventure and, and see <laughs> see what we want to do. It's like no, we. I know we were eventually going to go to that place, but I was also wanted to be smart and my and utilize what my character has and what my character my character is very used to. Like, oh, there's a thing that I by dint of my wings can just go look at well also any any adventure that has a fifth level character in it should expect someone go fly yeah someone can always fly at fifth level. Uh, the the one part that they like say oh flight may be a thing is the bridges when you guys get to the bridges uh, okay but not like oh i'm just going to be lying like as the crow flies literally all the way over to high hall and figure out what's going on because i had to read high hall real quick get an idea of what's going on there and then I knew you weren't trying to like derail the adventure specifically yeah, to just derail it. outside the box for a second. Yeah. And you had to like recent, you had to take in a lot of information and synthesize it into something that wouldn't derail everything. Right. I exactly. understand that because sometimes I have, you know, we've all had to do that. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, I officially right now have to come up with some shit that isn't going to fuck everything else that's coming up. Yes. Give me a second. Yeah, give me a moment. So uh, another adventure that I'd like to talk about, uh, and it, it, it ex- it's notable because I've 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 seen this adventure played uh, at least once uh, for for bits and pieces of it, and I've heard different stories of people running it. Is Curse of Strahd? Mm. Because the way Curse of Strahd is set up is that very early on in Curse of Strahd, you meet with a fortune teller lady who reads your fortune and there's a little like there's a literal fortune telling mechanic of reading cards and the cards that get pulled during that fortune telling session shape the rest of the adventure oh shit that's awesome yeah there are there's there's like you in any given curse of strahd game you maybe see about 25 percent of what's in that book that seems to be, I mean, that seems to be how Dragon Heist was set up too. For right. kind I think of, a lot yeah. of the low level ones are like mm-hmm. that. So, um, like, you can, like, Curse of Strahd is something that has some replay value, 
because there's all these different little moving pieces and 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 uh, modules that you can slot I, into I, things. I think the overall arc of Curse of Strahd is still the same, but yeah, it's, it's still personal same, but... encounters, personal storylines, and like thing like small side stories is what that sort of helps shape. It's, it's actually not. It's actually sort of the main arc of the game. Oh wow! Because because it is. It, it the things that you you the the card pools are the places you need to go and the items that you need to recover in order to be able to defeat Strahd at the end of the event. Oh, cool! Exactly yeah, exactly like Dragon Hive. Yes, Got because it. the the big vault door that you have to open and you you have to go mm -hmm. get several MacGuffins, but those MacGuffins are randomly generated. Uh, like in the middle of the adventure by the go GM. collect these MacGuffins three. Yeah, yeah, go collect these three. And much. it literally, it they're all things you, you've encountered or will encounter throughout the course of the adventure, but you just have to put the pieces together that you have them. Like, like mm -hmm. oh, we need this and we need this and we need that. Okay, uh, where have we seen that? Because I think one of the cool ones is like, you need a stock of a beholder, right? And we're like, how the hell yeah. we're going to get that? And then I, I remembered in Dragon Heist, Zablob. Zablob has a Zablob has a stuffed beholder in his window, like a taxidermied beholder. And I was like, I hate that I had to deal with this guy, but you'll do. You'll do. I'll give you a whole bunch of money. Yeah, it was. It was. It's very interesting. And so, some adventures are going to be. I hate to say, sort of more flexible and open to interpretation than others. And that's something you definitely need to read and take into consideration. Someone's having fun. Yeah. Which ones are more linear? That's that's also important to understand is like like you are on one quest chain and you're doing the one question. Another really more open-ended one I've heard, I've only briefly played is uh, Out of the Abyss. Because uh, yeah. the MacGuffin at the like the, the 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 sort of the starting action at the beginning is you are all from the surface and you will all become slaves of the drow. Mm -hmm. Make multiple Front characters row. because your your characters may not live. And by the time you get out of it, you will have your like your main character, and then, like, and then you do the arrest adventure as that character if you live. Yeah. But it's extremely dangerous adventure with a lot of unique mechanics. But the whole point is like getting the party together. So you're all slaves of the drow. Go. Hmm. Cool. Interesting. Yeah, I think that's really cool. And there's a lot of demon stuff in that. If you you want a book about demons, how the abyss. Yeah. yeah. Um. Try to think. Of what what else about adventures? Can adventures prefab adventures that is important to talk about concerning? Obviously, there's. We've already talked about a lot of good resources like roll twenty and fantasy grounds that will help you implement them. Um. um I, I guess deciding on whether you want to run like a long a long adventure or a short adventure is an important one because there's. I mean, they all vary massively in length, and you know. They're not all interchangeable. Like yeah. their parts, you can't just swap in all the different parts. So for example, like signing on for Dungeon of the Mad Mage is like, you've made a goddamn commitment. Like yeah, I will be seeing you all for the next three and a half years. Yes. <laughs> um, like Dragon Heist was one to five and that took us on and off about a year, about a, about a solid year to fully do. But we only played like twice a month. But So another, another thing that pre-generated adventures, especially like pretty beefy ones are um is that you can take them you can take the book uh all the material in it throw out the storyline and use it as a resource for your homebrew game yes yeah like that you is another use drapes. for them you can literally gut the entire like it's kind of what i've done on a lot of stuff is literally gutted 
like I'm gutting what is supposed to be happening and the situation has changed, but the the roles are similar and what you have to do is kind of similar. Yeah, keep the set dressing, keep some of the NPCs. Yeah, but just just have a totally different scenario happening. Well, in two things I want to say about this, because I know I said it talked a lot about Descent and Avernus. Half of Descent and Avernus in the back is just a Baldur's Gate setting guide right. to run Baldur's Gate. Very little of the actual Avenger is in is actually setting in Baldur's Gate, mm-hmm. and you actually don't interact with a whole bunch of it. But if you want to run Baldur's Gate, Descent and Avernus is, an, is a uh, great modern resource to understanding what's going on in Baldur's Gate at that time. Actually, an, an example of this is the Exalted game that I ran. Mm. Well, please explain. The Exalted game that I ran was specifically, I used the the end game scenario, the return of the Scarlet Empress. Um, and uh, it, I used it as a reference and as a material. The game, the plot that was happening happened alongside the story that was written in that book. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not like, you know, you had the sort of the mainline quest. I actually had a few NPCs that were sort of like playing the roles of what the PCs would be doing if right. they were if they were playing that. But that the group of PCs was doing something, a parallel quest of what if this goes to hell and we need to restart creation? Um, so it, it was written with the uh, with the understanding that the scenario in Return of the Scarlet Empress would end in failure, right? Um, and that the PCs were do off doing something tangential but related to what was going on in that book. So that was an example of me taking a book, reading it, mining it for all the ideas of I wanted it wanted to it, and like still have it be going on, but doing a completely different story right um and is back to what i was talking about with descendant avernus because this is is kind of a spoiler um so descendant avernus at some point becomes you get to choose a sort of like choose your own adventure Mm -hmm. part of it i'm actually throwing out not not the not the content but rearranging the order of things to mm-hmm. make it more interesting to me. And I think also to you guys, that's about knowing your own style and knowing the style of your players. Right. And that that's what I found interesting recently. I made that decision to actually do that and go, no, no, I'm going to do it this way because I found some good resources to help rearrange things because there I'll explain later, but it, there, there are some issues with the sort of the storyline of Avernus. You could run it as is just fine, but it'd be more interesting, I think, in the, by allowing the PCs a little more agency in how they want to go about doing something. <clears throat> Which is very important in adventures because part of it is you do what the play, play, they are on the adventure, they are playing the prefab. But you also most more role, most role players want to have some at least to feel like their characters can make decisions, change the nature of the story, and move with the with what's going on rather than just being on rails and being interchangeable with anyone else. Mm-hmm. I I think that's a good good uh, thing. Yeah, we liked we've we've obviously had a grand old time running prefab adventures. There's a lot there are a lot of cool resources coming out for them. Uh, look them up. Think about running if you're a new GM and you're like, I, I don't I haven't really done this. I don't want to do homebrew because that looks like a lot of work because it is a lot of work. Um, think about getting a small adventure and running it for your friends. Yeah, this will give it, you the feeling of the game. 
there has never been a better time to get into tabletop role-playing games. Never at all. No. Uh, You know, especially with all the tools that are available nowadays and the, the shift in how, what our lives are like. Yeah. Um, And so if you're like, "Eh, I kind of like vampire, I want to get this fifth edition, go get one of their starter adventures Mm -hmm. and go do that. Run run the sacrifice. Yeah. That's a really good, really good, small adventure. Right. Right. A great time. Yeah, and all of those things will help you get an idea of, oh, this is what you can do with the system. This is what you can do with this setting. Let me go oh, ahead so and do it's, that. It's pretending to be outside, which feels good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you know, you can describe a cityscape. Imagine, yeah, uh, imagine like the wonders you'll feel when you get to leave the place you're at and <laughs> go somewhere else for a while. Uh, I have one advantage in this entire situation. I still got to go to work. Uh, and so I still kind of get uh, to go out occasionally. How how wonderful for you. <laughs> not really though. Yeah, like, well. Great either way. It, Imagine, it's a double-edged okay, sword. You can, how about this? It'll let you role play going to a place where everyone isn't sullen, sad, and scared. Oh. Or they are, but you can do something about it. Yay. So. Yay. Yeah, so go out, find yourself a good adventure, uh, and get someone else to run one for you because that makes it real easy to go. I, I've been GMing you guys bozos forever. I want someone. I want to play something. Mm-hmm. Hey, someone run an adventure. Someone. I don't care. Yep. Let Do me it. play. Just let me play. Goddamn meat grinder. Yeah, mm-hmm. just, I don't care if it's it's like three levels of a dungeon. Let's just do that. Um, and so there's a lot of resources. Go out and find them. I'll put some link in the show notes for for things that I have found. Um, and every from everyone here at Polyhedron, stay safe out there. You didn't say the thing. I didn't say the thing. Let's do that again. Yeah. No. No. I actually Keep wanted it in. to. Yes. But let's do that again. Okay. Um, and also from everywhere here at Polyhedron, go where you fun is. Go roll some dice. Damn. Ah. Uh, <sighs> thank God. Normalcy. <sighs> Hello, everyone. Just wanted to let you all know, if you want to email us, you can at polyhedronpodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to get in contact with us via Twitter, you can contact us at polyhedroncast. And if you want to contact me, I am at bioimportance. If you want to get in contact with me directly, I'm at divismallcav. And I'm a hermit, so just email the show, please. Also, in addition, if you really like the show and you want to support us, go to patreon.com slash polyhedron. Give us a buck a month. You get a lot more content, and it'll really help us out. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone.